Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 22, the season finale, titled The Day We Died. I told you it had a good ending. <laughs> I told you this ending was great. What was I saying? What was I saying this entire week? <laughs> I love this ending. I love this finale so much. It is so brilliant and such a perfect way to close out what might just be Fringe's best season. As I've been saying from the beginning, it's between this and five. So good. It's so, so goddamn good. So, where we left off last time is that Peter got into the machine and then magically got transported to 2026. Wait a minute. Let me check my notes. Um, wait a minute. Is this... Is this alternate world building? Hold on. Are they... Have they gotten into some totally different, barely recognizable world that they have to build out throughout this episode that is different from the world we currently know? Huh. I guess it is. And it has that black, uh, black intro. Not the red, not the blue, so... I guess that confirms it. So, you know, I guess in order to talk about it properly, we have to do with the segment everyone loves, Things That Are Different. God, that stupid intro. Anyway, so, 2026. Solid 15 years after the events of the show. After the events of what we've seen so far. The other, other universe has been destroyed. The other universe is dead. Everyone on the other side has been wiped out of existence. Turns out that was a bad idea. Apparently both universes are inextricably linked. And if one side dies, everyone dies. So as a result of destroying the other universe, our universe is disintegrating in much the same way that the other side did. Which means... This 2026 world looks a hell of a lot like the other side. There are tears happening. Uh, amber protocols go in effect. There's amber popping up all over the place. Uh, Fringe Division has spun off into its own thing. Similar to how it is in the other side. There is a wormhole in Central Park that goes back to the past. That's a thing. It'll become very, very important later. Uh, and apparently the only survivor of the other side is Walternate, 
who went on a mercy mission to beg for the lives of his entire universe after attempting to do the same to ours. But by then it was too late, the other side got destroyed, and he got trapped on this side. He then started a group called the End of Dares, which uh, was meant to create tears with these, like, weird light bomb things that split atoms and create vortexes and kill a whole bunch of people. And he put... Brad Dorif in charge of this group. Yep, Moreau is played by Brad Dorif, and he's there for like two scenes. They got Brad Dorif to essentially be in two scenes. Brad Dorif is overqualified for this role, <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, started this group. Also, Walter got thrown in prison. Because apparently, uh, people didn't like that Walter started a chain reaction that resulted in the end of the world. So, they threw him behind bars. Because of course they did. Of course they did. Uh, also, much, uh, much less heavy, uh, Olivia can control her Cortex fan abilities now. She has, like, full-blown telekinesis. Ella's a fringe agent. She grew up and joined Fringe Division. Olivia and Peter are married. Aww. And Broyles is a senator. And also only has one eye. Or rather, is blind in one eye. Not sure how that last part happened, but hey, he's a senator. (laughs) Uh, so... Yeah. That is all for things that are... Different. I hate that. I hate that I made that a thing. <laughs> anyway, so once uh, everything stabilizes and Peter's not talking quote unquote crazy talk of I'm from the past, I got the machine and I'm from the past and now I'm in the future. Uh, that equalized out, and now he's like, what, if, what was I talking about? I'm not from the past. <laughs> After that happens, there's an attack at the Opera House by these end-of-dayers. Light bomb's a dud this time. It doesn't go off. And they're trying to examine it. They can't, and the only person who could possibly... Figure this out is Walter. And so we get a plotline very similar to the pilot. And I kind of like this poetic rhyming that they do with the pilot and with this season three finale. Where Peter goes into prison, not a mental institution this time, and tells Walter, hey, we need your help. And Walter's like, I need my lab. And they release him from prison temporarily. Like, it's kind of a nice little echo. But he examines this, he examines this, he examines this, he examines this. Uh, finds this radiation emission coming off from it. They're able to track spikes in that type of radiation. It goes to a campground. Where Peter finds this key. Just sitting there. On a rock. 
And immediately he realizes, oh shit, this is the key to the Raiden Lake house. Crap, this is Walternet. And he goes over to this house, and we have this sit-down with Walternet. And oh my god, this scene. Oh my god, this scene is incredible. It's amazing. Like, it is so intense. It is so brilliantly written. Uh, Both John Noble and Joshua Jackson do an incredible job here. Uh, It just keeps mounting and mounting and mounting. Where you have Walternate just give off this vitriol of like, You destroyed my entire world. Everyone in my universe is dead. And you did that. You destroyed your own people. Our own people. And just ripping into Peter. And Peter's like, look, I'm sorry. I wish I could take it back. But that is no excuse for what you're doing now. Stop it. No. And Walternate is just like, I am going to destroy your universe. Little by little by little. I am going to make you... I'm going to put you in as much pain as you caused me. Walternate at this point is just out for revenge. And he then reveals that he's not actually there. He's a hologram. And he is calling in from some other place. And he threatens to, quote-unquote, start with someone you love. While this is happening, Olivia's responding to a fringe event at Central Park. Walternate, his people are, are, are using these light bombs to reopen the Central Park wormhole. The one that goes back through time millions of years ago. He opens it up. And. After he's done with Peter. He goes outside. And kills Olivia. Okay, I cannot stress this enough. Even before this moment, this episode was just complete and utter misery. Like, this is a world that knows it's on the brink of death. This is a world that understands we're doomed. Everything sucks. Everything bad. Everything's bad. There is no form of hope. Like, we are slow marching to the grave. And... There is a lot of existential despair around that. That's just dripping in this universe. You have that great monologue from Broyles. Uh, credit to Lance Reddick, by the way, who does an amazing job. Probably does some of his best acting in the series in this moment. Where he has that whole monologue about how we're just going around putting up band-aids. And not really doing anything. That misery gets turned up to 17. The second Walternate shoots Olivia in the head. And you have that funeral that is just 
heartbreaking. That is just gut-wrenching. It is horrific. It is a horrible, horrible, horrible loss. And you feel the depths of it in this scene. And then after the funeral, while Fringe Division is working to close the Central Park wormhole, Walter makes a discovery. The carbon dating around the wormhole, those emissions that sort of tell us when in time this wormhole goes, they match up pretty well with when the vacuum had to be buried, when the pieces of the vacuum had to be buried. In other words, this time portal goes back to the moment the vacuum appeared. And at this point, we start to put the pieces together of who the first people actually are. There was no futuristic society that existed millions of years ago that magically created this device. It was never that. It was Walter. Walter of the future. Walter of 2026 is the person who made the machine. Is the person who made the vacuum. He created it. He built it. And he sent it back through that exact wormhole. To millions upon millions of years ago, only to be discovered by the current day Fringe Division. And also, like, this is actually really, really cool. So they don't actually flat out say this, but it's heavily implied. This goes back in time so much that it's before... Because remember, universes are split apart by probability. That's how multiverse is a thing. Like, it's existence multiplied by possibility. In the words of the Monitor. Uh, (laughs) Sweet Crisis on Infinite Earths reference. Uh, So this would be before the universe is split off. So that's how the machine exists on the other side as well. And basically, Walter has to build this. Send it back through, and the only way to prevent this future cheat the rules of time is to send it back. But find a way to propel Peter's consciousness forward to 2026 to see what was happening, to see how uh, his actions in destroying the other side created this hellscape that they're living in now. And give... Peter of 2011, the tools to stop it. And that is what this episode has been. 
This episode has been that glimpse. This episode has been that bringing of Peter's consciousness forward to 2026 to show what happened. This episode has not been an unfolding of events, but a warning. And so, it is at this moment that Walter explains what the hell's going on, how this First People stuff happened... It is at this moment we go back to the present. And we see the immediate aftermath of Peter getting into the machine, scrambling on the other side to figure out what the hell's happening. I love this moment, by the way, when, Al- when Walternet brings Folivia in. And is like, hey, drawing says you're connected to machine. Do thing! And Folivia's like, wow, you're an idiot. They outsmarted you. They put Peter in their machine. And uh, now we're the ones who are going to be destroyed. Peter wakes up from his little trance. And then does a thing. And I love this. I love this workaround so much. He tears holes in both universes. And connects them right in the room with the vacuum. Creates a bridge between worlds. A natural way of crossing over from one universe to the other. So that both universes can work together to actually fix their problems. Rather than just hurling existential crises at each other. And then as he's giving this explanation. (sighs) Peter's gone. And. Curiously, no one reacts. Not Olivia, not Walter, not anyone. They just stand there and they keep talking and they keep figuring out what to do next. And then outside Liberty Island, An entire group of observers is watching. And they remark about how they don't remember Peter. And in the words of our friend, the original observer that we know, he never existed. He served his purpose. They erased Peter from the timeline. Peter no longer exists in this universe. And I love this so much. We saw that drawing of Peter with fire in his eyes and we assumed it meant that Peter was going to die in the machine. We were building up to this sacrifice, this sacrifice, this sacrifice that Peter had to make. And we assumed it was his life. But it wasn't. It was his very existence. It was a warning, not of Peter's demise, but of Peter getting erased from the timeline. Now here's the thing. How or why did the vacuum erase Peter from the timeline? This is something I've thought a lot about. 
and I think I have an explanation. An explanation dating back uh, to, I believe it was episode 11, when the machine weaponized Peter. Walter's explanation for why the machine weaponized Peter is that every relationship is reciprocal. When you touch something, it touches you. When you change something, it changes you. Uh, One party affects the other and vice versa. For example, that time with the shapeshifters. Peter touched the machine. Peter reached out to the machine. Or rather, the machine reached out to him. The vacuum recognized itself as a doomsday weapon and weaponized Peter, which is what caused him to go after those shapeshifters. This is that on an existential level. Let's think about what changing this timeline means for the vacuum. The vacuum was sent back in time to deal with this dystopian future that was created from destroying the other universe with the vacuum. Which was sent back in time to deal with this uh, doomsday created from destroying the other universe with the vacuum. And so on and so forth. It is an infinite loop. The vacuum's entire purpose is to serve this infinite loop. But when Peter created the bridge, when Peter didn't destroy the other side, but instead worked to for both universes to help each other, he broke that loop. He made the vacuum irrelevant. It's only a matter of time before the vacuum itself becomes a paradox that nature can't ignore. By the laws of paradoxes that we'll get into later on in this show, there's an entire arc uh, in the final season about this, and no spoilers, but we'll spend a lot of time dissecting how paradoxes work in this universe. It would not surprise me if sometime in 2026, some indeterminate date in 2026, the vacuum itself blinked out of existence. Now, we've established very well that the vacuum is not just a piece of tech. We've established very well that the vacuum is its own entity. It has a temperament. It has a personality. We saw it when it weaponized Peter. We saw it when Sam Weiss was talking about how it was hot-wired. It's not a doomsday device, but it's acting like one. So, when... The vacuum realized, oh shit, I'm irrelevant now. Oh shit, I'm nothing. My entire reason for being has just been erased. It, that irrelevance translated to Peter. And Peter himself was erased. Now. Here's another thing to consider. Back in that episode I was talking about, Peter's weaponization was temporary. It faded over time. 
after some nudging from Walter. So the question remains, is this also temporary? Or will this one stick? We'll have to find out when we talk about season four. Oh my god, I love this show. I love this season. I love everything about it. Season three is so, so incredible. Uh, it provided some of the best moments of the entire show. Uh, it is, quite honestly, the reason it became my favorite show of all time. Like, this is kind of the moment I decided this might be one of my favorite shows ever. Like, this is the moment I kind of decided, like, I love this more than anything else on the planet. And then I was just in from there. In fact, quite honestly... It feels a hell of a lot like they could have just ended it after season three if they really wanted to. Like, if the network couldn't justify two more seasons, they could have easily... This could have been the cutoff, quite honestly. It would have been a great series finale. But, of course, they did two more seasons, and good on us, because those final two seasons are fantastic. Speaking of which, boy, am I excited to talk about season four. Season four is an interesting animal. Season 4 is something that very easily could have blown up in their faces. Season 4 is something that very easily could have sucked. Because they basically reboot the entire mythology of this world. They had to walk a very fine line for this to not be terrible. But, I think what they ended up doing worked. And I do love Season 4. Every bit as much as I love, uh, seasons before it. Like, every bit as much as I, uh enjoy the rest of this show. And I think it is fantastic. And I think it did work out. And I think they did do it right. They made all the right choices uh, with how to handle an alternate timeline. And uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into the the ways in which they navigate this that are just absolutely incredible. Anyway, uh, we're done. That's it. What a great finale. Yay. If you like this, Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just to push a button on the anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468. And support the show, patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, On Monday, we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 1. Talk to you then.